Dr. Geneva Speaks. Thank you for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks, where you'll hear amazing leaders from across the nation and around the world. Your host, Dr. Geneva Williams, a cutting-edge, transformational leadership coach, hopes and believes this show will enlighten, entertain, and inspire you to make a difference in the world. So listen up as Dr. Geneva Speaks. Hi, this is Geneva, and welcome as we take a look into the heads and hearts of leaders and the greater purpose they inspire in others. I am so excited today. Uh, Our guest, Dr. Patricia Bailey, CEO and founder, Global Leadership Training Center, and this training center offers intensive cross-culture apprentice training for those who wish to become global strategists, and leaders in community problem-solving right here at home. With its main campus in North Carolina, trainees receive hands-on practical learning and extensive study to help communities develop critical projects in all aspects of community life. Dr. Bailey has created impact for more than 20 years in over 134 countries around the world. She is a lecturer, community advocate, and founder of Youth Adults United for Global Outreach and Sister to Sister, an international outreach to women in foreign companies, and author of several books, including Women Risk Takers, It's Your Destiny, Reach Higher, Stand Stronger, Go Further, Dr. Bailey has also developed leadership programs around the world. And tonight we're coming to you live from Flint, Michigan, and where Dr. Pat is and has come up and, and visited us here in Michigan. And if, in case you have not heard about the horrendous uh, situation in Flint, Michigan, where the water is tainted, contaminated, and has high levels of lead, which unfortunately our uh, children and families are exposed to. And Dr. Pat is here, and we're broadcasting live from Flint. And let me just say welcome to you, Dr. Pat, and thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's my pleasure. Very excited about being with you today. Yes, indeed. So, so let, let's get right into it. Of course, I want to I want uh, our listening audience to hear a little bit more about you. Some things maybe I didn't mention, but you know I want to talk about what's happening in Flint and what you're doing there. But before we get into that, just just share a little bit more about your fantastic story as as a, as a global leader. Well, it started at the tender young age of 21. I would like to believe that was three years ago, but it wasn't. (laughs) But I was actually summoned and beckoned to go on the field with missionary generals of our time, uh, Drs. T.L. and Daisy Osborne, and they took me up under their wing, under their tutelage, and that was literally 139 nations ago. Got to get that updated bio to you. But it really simply put... um, God arrested my life. He apprehended me, apprehended my life early. And I knew for me that my assignment was not going to be confined to the four walls of the church. That the greater need that I saw and the greater challenges and needs of development where things were broken and needed healing and uh, where there's disparity was outside of the four walls of the church. 
And there were scriptures that made sense to me, like the physician doesn't come for the well. And it made sense to me to not just take water to the ocean, because I, I would begin to see people that are just church-minded only, and they never have any outreach arm to their life or mission. They become very stagnant, self-centered, selfish people. And I, when I, at the 20, age of 21, I went on a missions trip. I went to the, one of the largest refugee camps in East Africa at that time called Mathari Valley, and I saw the mm-hmm. level of poverty that I'd never seen in my life. No infrastructure. Uh, the only thing that the people needed was development. They needed economic empowerment. It was poverty so low till it was, it was inhumane. Saw the same type of thing in Haiti. And I knew for the rest of my life that somehow I would be a part of being some type of solution, that it was not the will of mm-hmm. God, not glorify God, for people to live in those kind of conditions. And to couple mm-hmm. the gospel with being a solutionist, to couple the gospel and doing what Jesus did. For an example, you know, when the woman was at the well, he met needs. When the person needed, he met their needs. He solved problems. And um, people like the late Dr. Miles Monroe and myself, we shared the same kind of thoughts, same as my pastor Winston, that we're supposed to show up and be the solution and that the ecclesia, the called out ones, are the ones that God has predestined to come and take the waste places and the ruined places and turn them indeed to the Garden of Eden again. And so that means pushing up our sleeves. That means that we don't spend our time, you know, in church beating on the tambourine all the time. Thank God for our experiences in church. Thank, thank God for the glory of God. Thank God for the encounters that we have with God. But we enter to worship so we can depart to serve. So we can't beat on the tambourine mm-hmm. in town and keep walking past uh, crack houses and walking past homeless, uh, you know, people that are homeless and walking past the jobless situations and walking past the economic disparities that we see like here in Flint or walking past injustices. Jesus didn't do that. We can't avert our eyes. We can't turn a deaf ear. So I believe that a true picture and the essence of Christ being in our life is that we do respond. For an example, when David saw that there was someone defaming the name of the Lord, he went up against that giant. I believe that with Esther, when she saw that her people were about to be annihilated, she said, if I perish, let me perish. When Moses saw and was beckoned by God, let my people go. They were in bondage that they may worship me. He rose to the occasion, and he responded. God came down by sending him. So if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, why do we wait on the government? Why do we wait on programs to be the solutions to our inner city, to our country, mm-hmm. to our world, to our generation? And that's how we develop Global Leadership Training Center, to couple Uh, a holistic approach of development coupled with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a winning team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it. So faith without works is dead. You have this whole whole, um, ministry and passion about making a difference in life. So someone came to your center uh, and, 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 and joined, became, uh, an apprentice to be trained to to do this work, to be uh, a global strategist, to work in communities, to do community development, what would be the one, two, three things that they would learn? In our school, we deal with um, developmental arms such as, and it depends on what the challenge is in that community. We do a lot of work abroad, but local as well. So we'll go out and we'll come back home to Flint, okay? So, like, we have invited so many people to come and go to Haiti with us. We do Haiti every single year. 
Uh, we do disaster relief. So when the earthquake happened in Haiti, many people ran to Haiti. I mean, the whole world. Haiti had the attention of the whole world. And in a few short weeks later, everybody was gone. And $150 million was misappropriated by the Red Cross alone. So we begin to develop a, number one, 300,000 women had been raped as a result of the earthquake, which didn't make the news. So we came in and we brought a development program that would transform their lives. We adopted X amount of women, and we followed their life through as a transformational makeover, a complete makeover in their lives for three years concerning their health care, their literacy, their housing, economic empowerment for their children, uh, 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 self-defense, and the list goes on. So that dealt with because the core of Haiti, 80% of the people are under the age of uh, 20. Are we okay, Yolanda? Oh, it's not going in. Hold on. I want to make sure we don't have a technical difficulty. I don't want to run out of power. And so that was the arm for the women because the women make up the stabilizing support system or the children. We made sure that and we've done it continually. Scholarship in the children in school, getting schools, getting proper literacy and education and empowerment for the children. Why? Because 80% of the population is under the age of 25. And that's the future of Haiti. Then, very important, uh, we teach environmental science in our school, like waste management, deforestation. That's a problem with Haiti. They cut down the trees to make the energy to burn uh, wood because they don't have the electricity. And then the, the sanitation problem, the two number one killers in the entire world, these two crises, water and sanitation, claim and kill more lives, the lack of clean water and sanitation, than any bomb, any war, any pestilence, any AIDS has ever killed. So we do clean water projects. We're going to be going in and doing three to four wells mm -hmm. again this summer, and we provide clean water mm -hmm. filters. So we deal with the health care, we deal with the food, with the um, water, sanitation, economic empowerment, education. Those mm -hmm. are the building blocks to a society to bring a holistic mm -hmm. approach of development to the society. So that's, that's just mm -hmm. give an example for uh, Haiti. In Angola, we did a five-year community development and project in Angola. They had experienced war. So their challenges were a little bit different than Haiti. So when we came in, for an example, when we got to Angola, but the first thing, they didn't have water. They, they didn't have toilets. Mm -hmm. The kids couldn't, they were actually defecating and, and, and the school, in the open, it really wasn't even a proper school, and would t put their hand in the dirt and just wipe their hands. So we had to get uh, porcelain toilets uh, shipped from Portugal. We built toilets and underground plumbing systems and electricity and what else, Val? Literacy center, a school computer center, uh, a school up to 6,000 kids, and uh, what else, Val? A church that was there. Uh, we bought land for them to expand and left the titles to the land in Kakawaku with the hands of the nationals. Everything we did, our name wasn't on it. It's not about my name being on it. We went to go develop a land and a community in Kakawaku and Boavista mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and turn it into the hands of the next generation and say, now, here's the baton, you run with it. And they ran with mm -hmm. it indeed. Now, let's come home to Flint. Mm -hmm. This has been well, before, not only a fact. Before we go, Dr. Mm -hmm. Pat, before we get to Flint, I just wanted to to just note that so it just seems that your whole approach isn't just go in for the moment. You really no, go no, no, into no. communities long and work with communities change. and you're there for long term. And so long -term let me just ask change. you. Let me just ask you've been you know, you've been doing this work for 20 years in over 130 different countries around the world. What what sustains you as a leader? What what oh. keeps you going? Probably one of the hardest working women 
in this field of disaster relief and development and missions, but I enjoy what I do. And if you want to know what sustains me, like when I finished talking to you tonight doing this radio interview, I still at this time of the night, and I've been going since 5 a.m. this morning, so I'm already past 12 hours. I got to go see a little old lady that's 80 years old. Now, she may not matter to anybody on the station. She may not matter to anybody on Periscope, but that's somebody's grandmother, and that's somebody's Mm -hmm. mother, and that's somebody's auntie, and she matters first to God. So if she matters Mm -hmm. to God, she matters to me because what Mm -hmm. if that's my grandmother? I want someone to come and see her. So my day has been long mm-hmm. until I was coming, and we literally got to go pick up some little grips for Mama. And and so mm-hmm. the smile that I'm going to see on Mama's face and the fulfillment I get when I pray with Mama and when I hold her and when I see her face, Jesus said this, lovest thou me, Peter? Feed my sheep. So in essence, the mm-hmm. way we show God our love for him, it's not by beating on a tamarind, speaking in tongues, how much Greek and Hebrew we know, how big our church is, how big our calendar is for speaking engagements, how much money we have, what degrees we have. Is how we relate one to another. How do we love our fellow man? And when I see someone in need, I am moved with compassion. Not that I'm some great Mother Teresa, not at all. It's just that when you share and you become a partaker of his divine nature, what he feels, you feel. What breaks his heart, breaks your heart. What he sees, Mm -hmm. you see. What he Mm -hmm. hears, you hear. I mean, where Mm -hmm. he goes, you go. It's just that simple. So it's, it's the bottom line is, and this is what Jesus does. This is for my Periscope people. At the end of the day, he boils it down to two lines of people, sheep and goats. If you are a sheep and not a goat, to the goats, he says, they will come mm-hmm. and say, Lord, when were you thirsty and we gave you no water? When were you homeless and we took you not in uh, with no shelter? When were you uh, thirsty? When were you hungry? When were you in prison? When, Lord? And he says, when you didn't do it to the least of them, you mm-hmm. did it not to me. Now he turns to the sheep. Mm-hmm. And this is in the same passage of Scripture in John, the fourth chapter. He, he segues from that right into John 4, the same chapter about the fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. So he tells you about the two different mm-hmm. types of people. Now to the sheep, who are the authentic, genuine, true believers who share the nature of Christ, not just church-going people who are trying to get in where they fit in and trying to get a title and caught up into making a name for themselves and propping up images and want to be cut in with this circle and that circle. and No, 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 no. Not those kind of people. Not the Sanhedrin, not the Pharisees, the sheep. He says, when yes. I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, my sheep people, sheep ministry. When I was hungry, mm-hmm. you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me water. When Flint had contaminated water, you came with filters. When Flint's children needed vitamins, you came. You made a way. You made a way. When Mama tonight needed, those are the sheep. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was without shelter, you took me in. And it's not anything to applaud in my thinking. It's just Mm -hmm. the right thing to do if you are a sheep. That's if you're a sheep. That's right. So if you're a sheep, and can we get some love tonight for those that are listening? If you're a sheep, that's right. Are you a sheep? That's right. And you and you are really and really, Doctor Doctor Pat, you're you're really really doing it. So let's let's switch to Flint. Let's talk about Flint. And let let me just our listening audience, if you just uh, joined us, I'm talking with Doctor Patricia Bailey, CEO and founder of Global Leadership Training Center, uh, awesome awesome global leader. Um, who has 
trained uh, many to become uh, solutionists in their community and leaders in community problem solving. She's a lecturer. She's an author. And we're talking to her live from Flint, Michigan. And she is also periscoping while we're talking. So we just got a, a terrific conversation going on here. So, Dr. Cass, what brings you to Flint, Michigan? To come to be a solution. I love the word you use. I, I like that word, a solutionist. There is a need. Mm-hmm. And I said a prayer, a lethal prayer, at the age of 21. Send me to where you need me the most. I will go wherever you want me to go. And I will do whatever you want me to do. I didn't know how lethal that prayer would be and where it would take me. So in making Uh that kind of an oath to God, that means even though it's cold, I mean, it's freezing up here to me, uh, it wasn't in my well. Plan, now that's right. Well, you're from now. You're from North Carolina. I'm from. I'm. I'm a Southern Belle. I'm from North Carolina. This Southern is cold Belle. to me. No, North this Carolina. is Eskimo weather. Okay. This is right, ungodly so, weather to me. This is Eskimo weather. Okay. So, yeah, so I'm the way you do it. I'm. I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm broadcasting from uh, Detroit, Detroit in Michigan. In so kind of used uh-huh. to it. So, Doctor Doctor Pat, for those who are listening who perhaps mm-hmm. don't understand what's going on in Flint, would you give us uh, a little snapshot of the situation with the lead in the water in Flint and, and what's, what's the big deal about lead in the water in Flint? So can you just help our audience understand what's going on with the lead in the water? Okay, number one, let's deal with lead alone. Lead is the most potent neurotoxin ingredient that's on the planet. And when it goes into a body, it's irreversible. It never leaves the body. It goes in and it does its damage, and then it exits the bloodstream. Are you hearing me? It is like a yes. lethal, a true lethal weapon, and it affects the brain. It goes straight to affect the brain. Now, when that happens to a child, in the developmental ages, as the child's brain and the child's body is developing, it's now going to affect the developmental process of that child. So that child didn't get a chance to get a fair start in life. And so you don't mm-hmm. see, you can't always depict it when they're little, but as they start growing up and developing, you start recognizing, mm, something's not quite right. So mm-hmm. these are some of the things. Increased aggression. They need a lot of adult mm-hmm. provision. Increased risk of dropout. Does it sound familiar in the inner city? No wonder Flint has been the murder capital for so long. Uh, impulsive, hyperactive behavior. Their ability to pro- to solve problems and to take, this is what I thought was powerful. Children that don't know how to take turns and get upset, like, it's mine, it's mine. No, and just like, they just get hostile when they can't have their mm-hmm. way. They, mm-hmm. they have mm-hmm. um, impulsive, hyperactive behavior, lack of problem solving. Problems, uh, main, a problem with maintaining attention, delayed language, delayed motor skills, poor speak artic- speech articulation. These are just mm-hmm. a few things of how the children are affected. And in right, and it's cases, not and, it, and it's and it's not curable either. No, so that's what the doctors say. So as believers, mm-hmm. we have to believe that even though these ills have been done to the people that God, Jehovah Gamola, the God of recompense, the God of the breakthrough, that God mm-hmm. will restore with the pommel worm and the canker worm 
has done in the lives of these children. So that's where the believers come in. We have to believe. But then we don't just believe and pray and fast and not use the other parts that God gave us, and that is to have intellect and reason. So that means that in our curriculum, in our pay very close attention, for the next 10 years and the next 20 years, if anybody under the sound of my voice in Flint, Michigan, or in any other cities that are, and I believe that more is going to come to surface, I believe you need to take a look at Camden. I think you need to take a look at Stockton. And you're going to see that the same type of cover-ups and, 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 and um, where they've ignored and, and really forsaken the people, you'll see it happening in other cities. So there mm-hmm. needs to be, and I believe God's going to raise people, with ingenious curriculum, reforming curriculum, reforming education, reforming our children are taught. It cannot be your conventional, traditional way of teaching children. I believe that God is going to, because see, whenever there's a problem, the lamb was slain before the foundation. So there's already somebody listening on the sound of my voice on this radio station that are listening to me by way of Periscope, who God has given them a passion in the area of education. And they have a passion for taking inner city kids that have all these labels and these disadvantages, learning disability labels, and God has given them a curriculum. God has given them a plan. God has, helped, has given them a passion to reform the educational system. And these type of people will be like the teachers we had of old that are not just doing it for the money, but they genuinely want to see children learn. There, I believe that God can move past the, the, um, the developmental stages that have been in some ways, uh, uh, you don't want to use the word uh, retarded, but uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? What's that, Val? Delayed, that are being delayed. Arrested development. Arrest, that's the word I was thinking mm-hmm. of. Yes. God can yes. move past arrested development because you got enough believers on this phone right now. And you got enough Absolutely. believers on the station, enough believers on Periscope right now that can send our prayers and say what the enemy has done to cripple these children's life. Yes, Jehovah Gamola will repay. But I also decree in the name of Jesus that there's enough power on the inside of me because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And I send my prayer to every 9,000 child, children that have had access or drink or have been exposed to this water and to this lead. And we ask you to do creative miracles. We ask you, Father God, to astound the doctors. No different than a person that goes to get a doctor's report and said that the body has cancer and they come back and they can't find the cancer. Mm -hmm. We serve a Mm -hmm. God that is impossible for Mm -hmm. man, but it's possible with God. So now because we understand how the neurological system works in the brain, we now begin to speak to the cognitive skills. We now begin to speak to comprehension. We now begin to speak to motor skills. We now begin to speak to behavioral patterns. We now begin to decree the fruit of the Spirit over their life, that they will have temperance and long-suffering and patience, and that the fruit of the Spirit can supersede, uh, what do they say, impulsive behavior. Well, we decree temperance. Instead of impulsive behavior, behavior. That's what the statistics say. That's those are the facts. Yes. They are facts. Don't That's get me right. wrong. That's right. They are facts. And so Dr. But the so, truth so Dr. always Pat. supersedes facts. Uh huh. Okay. So, so Dr. Pat, clearly you've identified those kinds of things that we know uh, our children in Flint will be facing. Some of that arrested development, some of that the slow learning, the uh, irritability, the, um, mm-hmm. the 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 problems uh, with the law and lawlessness, and these kinds of things. 
And you've also, you know, put out a call that there's so many of us out here who have skills and talents that we can bring to bear to this. What other what other things can we do right now? What are you doing right now? So you're in Flint right now. I know you're I know you mentioned you're gonna visit a grandmother, but what are the kinds of things you're seeing there and what are people doing today in Flint? Well, first of all, we've coupled up with a very powerful church, Abundant Life, and a man that's a visionary. Okay. Because it wouldn't do any good for me to be here, just like come in, stop, drop, and roll. I have to connect with the gatekeepers of the city. And he's a visionary. He has his finger on the pulse of the city. So that's because you're talking about systemic change, that means that every joint supplies. So we have water filters that we brought in. Okay. We have things that we brought in. We're coming in to bring exposure. We get, we're asking teams to come in. There's been distribution. We have water that is already brought in by Feed the Children. These are the things that they've already put in place. And so they have a vision and a plan already to empower okay. and ignite and equip this upcoming generation and a learning center and a training center for them. Mm. So as the okay. body of Christ begins okay. to come together, we lay out a five-year systemic plan, 10 years, okay. and God will bless the plan. And so not only that, we don't stop there. We then begin to not only have avenues where these children can get the proper learning that they have, we must continue to hold the people accountable for what they've done. We have to have filters Mm -hmm. that can purify and clean the water temporarily. we got to have a continual flow of waters coming in until the solution is resolved, because how long is it going to take to replace the pipes? I mean, we don't know how long that's going to take. But then the other Mm -hmm. thing, like, vitamins and the nutrients and so there's going to be have to be classes to begin to teach the inner city young girl that's her third baby and she's 21 and she's getting Mm -hmm. food stamps and she's never been taught nutrition and the kids are eating high sodium diet food and they're eating uh uh uh, foods with without any type of antioxidants well then they need to learn to be taught to eat the type of foods that are going to help feed the brain the omega-3s are you hearing me we're going to have to push our teeth and literally get in here in a grassroots level and Mm -hmm. literally transform transformational leadership is the type of leadership that trans converting people to Jesus to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. We're talking about mm-hmm. making disciples of people and getting in there mm-hmm. and teaching them life skills so that they can at mm-hmm. least have a fair chance. So we're, we're, we're linking up together with other ministries as well and saying it's time for the body of Christ to be what the body of Christ should be. So yes, clothes, food, helping them to get proper and adequate housing. These are all of some of the things mm-hmm. that we're going to be discussing. And these are the kind of things that are in the vision of the man of God that we've linked up with and other pastors mm-hmm. that we welcome to work with. And so we thank God for organizations like Feed the Children. We thank God for, what is it, the Center for the Kids? The Children's Dream. The Children's mm-hmm. Dream Center, which was all, and look at God. God already has mm-hmm. place. God already left. So, yes. God knew this was going to be exposed. Yes. So God always had, the, God is always a step ahead of the enemy. And the part yes. that I play is I've done this in the developing nations. We've done this in, with Katrina hit. We did this when, when Hurricane Sandy. We know how to respond. And I'm a facilitator. I'm a, I, I know how to mobilize people to come together and stop yes, the bureaucracy do. of who gets credit for what. And let's go rescue our babies in Jesus' Absolutely. name. Absolutely. Oh, and, Dr. you know, I, I like to, you know, I, I, I we're going to have to bring you back again. And, of course, I want to work with you and hear what you're doing and, and this uh, 
because, it, you know, you'll be in Flint for a while because, as you said before, it's not an overnight thing that you do. Not an overnight solution. Mm-hmm. And that's right. And, you you know, you have that long-term view. But, but before I let you go, and I know you're moving on to continue your work there in Flint, I, I always like to ask my guests as a, as a last question, what do you see your leadership legacy being? What would you like to, to, to leave others in terms of your leadership, your leadership legacy? What's your leadership at this, legacy? At this stage of my mm-hmm. life and at this age of my life, I am endeavoring yes. with everything that's within me to pass a baton, just like Dr. Miles Monroe. Uh-huh. And okay. I want to see a generation that their concept of the kingdom is not Sunday morning activity, but it goes outside of the four walls of the church, and it cares about people. It solves problems. It brings solutions like I see in the yes. Bible. And that we're not yes. anesthetized into being some type of uh, hypnosis of just my me, my for, and getting what I want from God, getting my praise on, getting my needs met, getting my blessings. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my mm-hmm. harvest time. But transition that to a people who are Christ. They are they are the solution. They are the manifestation of Jehovah Jireh. They are the manifestation of God to a hurting, lost, and dying world. And that we stop ignoring the cry of the poor. We stop yes. ignoring the cry of the needs of people. And that we get a well, heart of flesh again. That's what I want to leave. Well, Dr. well, thank you for that. And Dr. Patricia Bailey, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for your consent. And thank all of you for joining us. If you have other ideas about leaders you'd like to hear from, let us know. Stay tuned for our next show when we inspire great leaders for greater purpose. Thanks for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks. Dr. Geneva Williams, an expert facilitator and leadership coach, lecturer, and keynote speaker. For more information on Dr. Geneva, visit her online at www.drgenevaspeaks.com. That's drgenevaspeaks.com.